Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Amen. Take your Bibles, 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Our men are making their way through the auditorium. If you did not receive a copy of the notes for this morning, it certainly will be easier for you to follow along with that copy of notes. And so um, uh, please just raise your hand. They'll help you out. It's great to see some folks who are visiting. Uh, and those who are watching by live stream, thank you for joining us. And I, uh, I'm delighted that you have chosen to spend your time with us this morning. No doubt, with the three-hour time difference, many uh, back east have already had their church services. They're already at Sunday lunch. It is interesting how time zones work. So literally, the sun never sets on the gospel. And that's what's exciting, is that all across this world, uh, the gospel is being preached and, um, and being shared. If you're visiting with us, we do expository preaching here. That is, is that we take a book of the Bible, we go verse by verse, line by line, where necessary, word by word, and uh, we go uh, through each book of the Bible so that way we really preach the entire counsel of the Word of God. Sometimes it necessitates, uh, necessitates that we get into a difficult subject, and other times we're getting into the gospel message, and other times um, uh, it's about family, and so when you preach through the entire uh, Bible, you will always get every subject. And so that we're in the book of 1 John, chapter 2. Uh, this is our eighth message, I believe it is. And uh, it's, uh, we're not flying through the book. However, we're going to attempt to do something we haven't done yet in this series. We're going to preach past uh, four or five verses. We're going to go through 11 verses. So get ready to stand in just a moment. In just a moment, as we will read verses 18 through the end of the chapter. In, it was 1999, uh, there was a city back in the Midwest that was hit by a powerful snowstorm. And the power lines went down and the streets uh, were coated with what they call black ice. And the everyday routine had just come grinding to a halt. And it was discussed in the local newspaper just how unnerving it would be to live in a world where there was no electricity, there was no running water, there was no gasoline, and that there was a shortage of food. That would be desperate. By the way, that's just like it is right now in the country of Myanmar. I'm thankful that we live in the United States of America. And may we never be ungrateful that we live in this great country we even see in the aftermath of hurricanes, uh, hurricanes that have taken place in the state of Louisiana, how dangerous it is after a hurricane as vandals, they go house by house and they, and they loot uh, and they steal. In just this last year here in the United States of America, we've read about large corporations begging for financial buyouts from our government. And, uh, and this monumental increase in the welfare, welfare system of this great country. We actually pay people now to stay home and not work when businesses are begging uh, for workers. It truly is not difficult to see how the United States of America could become a bleak, godless, tyrannical, socialistic country. We are headed there 
at a rapid rate. With this in mind, I invite you to join with me as we stand together and read our text passage of Scripture this morning with this as the backdrop this morning. Now, here we do responsive reading. And with that being a responsive reading, I'm going to ask Pastor Jonathan here if he would, uh, he would help lead us since we have uh, so many verses to read. You will read the even verses. I'll read the odd verses. And so we're going to read uh, verses 18 down to verse 29 responsively. And if you're watching by live stream, feel free to read at your own home. Let's begin reading in verse number 18. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest or made known that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing that ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and it is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous... Ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Father, I ask that in the busyness of a day that we could slow down just enough to hear your Holy Spirit speak to us in our heart and our mind through the preaching of the word of God. May only words be spoken that you would absolutely approve of. And may you bless this message. May you challenge us to walk closer to you. And Father, may we be ever vigilant to look for those who may try to enter into us to destroy our church, Tucson Baptist Church. Father, speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The Bible promises us that as we know it on planet Earth, one day planet Earth will come to an end. And John tells us in verse number 18 that even now we live in the last hour or the last days of human history. He doesn't give us any clues as to when the end will come, but he does tell us that we're to live our lives as if the end could happen today. And today in our passage of Scripture, there's three keys for us to understand how that we must live a life of spiritual maturity in these last days. Here's key number one. He says this, that we are to watch out for wolves. We are to watch out for wolves. 
how many of you have ever seen a wolf? You've ever seen one? If you've ever been out to the Desert Museum, you've seen a wolf? I was shocked one day. I stopped at Park Place Mall to, to get a, a cup of tea. And uh, I'll, I'll, I just, it's still it's just like it was as fresh as yesterday. Uh, there was a convertible sitting in the first parking space right next to the coffee shop. And as I got out of my car to walk up, there's a wolf in the back seat. It looked like a wolf. And uh, I walked in and, and uh, there was only one customer. I said, is that your dog? She says, no, that's a wolf. I said, that's what I thought it was. How do you own a wolf? She says, I got it when it was a little baby. I've raised it. And I, I said, well, that'll put a fright in you when you walk by your car. No one's going to mess with your car. She literally had a wolf right here in Tucson as a pet. But you know what? When I study the Word of God, a wolf is not a pet. In fact, it's always in the context of a warning in a devouring, in a destructive manner. In chapter 2, verse 18, John says that children need warnings. We need this warning this morning. John writes to little children. That word children is from the Greek word pedion, as in verse 13, and refers to a child who is under instruction. And then this particular context right here in this verse, it refers to those who are immature Christians, those who are spiritual babies. You, this morning, might be a spiritual baby for one of two reasons. You could be a brand new believer and praise God for you. Isn't it amazing how many people we've been able to baptize over the last couple of months of people who have trusted Christ? Brand new babies. Or you may be a believer who's been saved for a long time and you've chosen to never spiritually mature. Spiritual children, just like physical children, uh, they need to be warned of danger. Because I loved my children as they were growing up, I would constantly warn them of danger. You don't run out into a street. You look before you cross that street. We would warn them whenever there was something that could hurt them. Do you understand that the duty of the pastor teacher is not only to teach truth, not only to teach you about the gospel message, but also to expose lies. To expose lies. Um, and as we fall in love with Jesus, as we fall in love with his church, it's easy to forget this. There is a danger. And the danger is this, that the devil wants to infiltrate and destroy our church. And we must be ever vigilant to expose those lies. And here's how that happens. Satan sends wolves into God's flock. The Bible often refers to us as sheep. With thus, that's where the word flock comes from. All of us are sheep. And the fact is, is that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He's the shepherd. And I merely serve as an under-shepherd to uh, what Jesus Christ has called me to do. And so as John writes to his little children, he tells them that they live in the last time. He repeats this at the end of the verse. He does not mean that the last 60 minutes of life on earth, but rather the end times, or what the Bible elsewhere refers to as the last days, the final era of human history. Maybe I could best describe it this way, because sometimes we say, well, what, what, did, they, what did John I mean when he wrote it here and what was written in Revelation and what was written in Hebrews talking about perilous times and the end times. 
maybe we can understand this way. The last time began with Jesus' birth. Uh, that was the advent. And it's going to conclude when he returns again at the second advent. And he says that they have heard that the Antichrist shall come. And if, in, if you know anything about biblical prophecy, the study of eschatology or the study of end times, you know this, that the scriptures tell us that at the end of the age, there's going to be a one world ruler who's going to appear on the scene. And when there's chaos throughout the entirety of the world, there's going to be one person who rises up and tries to establish some sense of peace here on earth. And if we study this, the Apostle Paul called him the man of sin or the lawless one. The book of Revelation calls him the beast. In the book of Daniel, he prophesied him as the little horn and the prince who is to come. John alone here calls him the Antichrist. Now the title Antichrist has two meanings. Here's meaning number one. First, it can mean instead of Christ. Instead of Christ. The beast will set himself up as Satan's Messiah in the last day. So instead of Christ, the Antichrist will say, you need me. However, the term can also mean in opposition to Christ. In opposition to Christ. Now, for clarity, that's what John has in mind when he says here, even now there are many Antichrist. In other words, there are many that stand in opposition to Christ today. If you work in a secular job place, if you were to mention the name of Jesus Christ, it automatically draws a line in the sand. And you will quickly know those who stand in opposition to Christ. Oh, please don't talk about church Please don't talk about God. Please don't talk especially about Jesus Christ here. That is an antichrist with a small letter A. That's someone who stands in opposition to Christ. And by the way, there are many right here in Tucson who stand in opposition to Christ. If that were not true, our every seat would be packed to capacity. There would be standing room only and people trying to get into our building. But the fact is that many in Tucson stand against Christ. And John calls such people antichrist. Jesus called them, though, a much, a much more direct term. He called them wolves. Think about that. John uses the term antichrist. Jesus uses the very direct term wolves. He told his disciples, watch out for those wolves. And we all need to be warned also to watch out for the wolves. Let me illustrate it to you from scripture. Jesus was talking to his disciples and in Matthew chapter 7 he says this, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Paul used the exact same analogy in parting words to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 and verse 29. He said this, for I know this, that in my departing, when I leave this place, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. There's no such thing as a wolf that will enter into the, into the flock who will lie down and be happy with the sheep. His entire mission is to devour the sheep. We've all seen the cartoon where the devious coyote disguises himself with a sheepskin in order to sneak into the flock and carry out the sheep. 
I want you to know that many, many, many churches have been destroyed because a ravenous wolf has entered into the flock and entered a false doctrine into that church and it has weakened the foundation of that church to become ineffective when it comes to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. May that never happen. May God please protect us to never allow that to happen here at our church. There will be people that come into the church that look like Christians. Talk like Christians. Even seem to act like Christians. I don't know what a Christian smells like, but they smell like a Christian. In other words, everything looks like a sheep. But the Bible says Satan ultimately uses these people to wreak havoc among the sheep. And although it is one of my specific responsibilities, may we all ever keep a watchful eye out. For the wolves. Now listen, there are many people doing the bidding of Satan in local churches all around the world. And may I just say, say definitively, they are the agents of hell. Because Jesus Christ came to this earth to establish his church. And anyone who tries to destroy his church must be an agent of hell. And they cause disruption and they breed contention and they destroy fellowship. And some are very aware of what they are doing and others are witless pawns who have no idea of the damage that they inflict in the church. May we ever be watchful for that wolf. Wolves are almost always attack the lambs. The Antichrist who come into the church attach themselves to the spiritual bays looking for those that are easy prey. And they promote the doctrine of wolves and what 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1 calls the doctrines of devils. Babies don't know doctrine. And so when a wolf enters, he looks for the weak, spiritual, immature lamb. The reason we must watch out for the wolves is that they're often hard to spot. You see, wolves blend in and we must be ever vigilant satan had his own agents in, in in the first century church satan had his plants in our church too satan even had a wolf in the original local church do you remember his name his name was judas he looked smelled acted exactly like the other disciples no one knew Judas was a secret agent except Jesus. Judas, he blended perfectly with the other 11 disciples. The disciples lived with him for three years and never got wise to him. And when Jesus revealed that one of them would betray him, the other 11 asked, Oh no, Lord, is it I? Am I the one? They were so concerned. Because the wolves bear sheep disguises, we often don't recognize them by sight. That's what First John 4 and verse number 1 says. Try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Folks, please listen. The devil is smarter than any person in this room. Me being first and foremost... And therefore, it is naive for us to think that the devil is not trying to destroy Tucson Baptist Church. There are people that love just coming to church for a season. And it doesn't take much for them to fall away. Revealing, oftentimes, their spiritual immaturity or lack thereof that they aren't even in the faith. 
John doesn't want to leave us here hanging. John gives us specific instruction of what we're to do when we watch out for wolves. And as we watch out for wolves, we must understand that the children need warnings. And Satan will send wolves into the flock. And, and then he's, he tells us here in verse number 19 that loyalty to Jesus is the test. How do I know if someone is a wolf or not? Loyalty to Jesus is the test. A chief mark of a wolf is that he will not stay with the flock. He will de- he's going to defect from the church. That ought to send shivers up our spine because every one of us knows someone who's defected. The chief mark of a wolf is he can't stay with the flock long. He will leave the biblical teaching and he'll return to his love. And what is his love? It's that system that we've spent weeks talking about. It's the worldly philosophy. It's the things of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. John says in verse 19, they went out from us because they were not of us. Counterfeit Christians will eventually reject strong doctrine of the church. And they're going to return to the world. They're going to return to the love affair that they have with the world. My friend, it's easy to spot a wolf if we know what we're looking for. This is why strong teaching in our growth group classes, in our discipleship ministry, and from this pulpit is important. Wolves hate doctrine. And when you have a church that skims over the word of God, the wolves can penetrate deeply into the flock and they can get comfortable. And there are two dominant themes that run side by side throughout the New Testament. One is the perseverance of the genuine Christian and the other is the defection of the counterfeit Christian. And those who are genuinely saved are being changed inwardly by the power of God's spirit. And that is what verse 20 means when it says we have an unction from the Holy One. And though they may stray from time to time, time, the, the genuine Christian, the prodigal son, will always return. The wolves, though, the antichrist, the apostates, the heretics, they went out from us because they were truly never saved. They don't have salvation and lose it. They never had salvation in the first place. In the parable of the sower, Jesus speaks of the seed planted in stony ground, and they had no root, and it withered away. In the parable of the wheat and tares, we see that the enemy sowed tares and with the wheat. And in the parable of the dragnet, both good fish and bad were harvested, and they were divided. Judas looked, and he acted like the other 12 disciples, yet his betrayal of Jesus proved this. He was an antichrist. He was a wolf. Paul even wrote by name of Demas. Demas on two occasions as a fellow laborer. Yet he said these damning words in 2 Timothy chapter 4. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. My heart breaks when I think of names and faces of people who today... Love the world more than they love God. And they used to sit perhaps in the seat where you are seated this morning. John says of such people, if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. 
Because they were not genuine believers, they went out and that, the, that, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And genuine believers, they, they continue with the flock. They stay, they abide, they settle down, they grow roots. That's what John says. And there are two kinds of people right here in Tucson. There are those who are here for a little while, but they'll soon be gone. There are those who have, been, who have chosen to make this place their home and, and they'll never leave and, and they can... They convince you that this is the best place on earth. I love our church. We're not perfect, but I love our church. And I'm thankful for all of you that are growing roots right here in your, in your church. Wolves, though, they come and go. Genuine believers settle down. Counterfeit Christians always return to the world. And by this, they are manifest. They are they're masks. They're, they're fake counterfeit Wolf, uh, 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 their fake counterfeit sheep clothing is revealing that they are nothing more than a wolf. Now, folks, people leave churches all the time. Some move to a new city. We're in a military town, and it is amazing how often there's people that come in and out. They're here for two years, three years, and they're, and they're going to their next duty station. There's nothing wrong with that. Some, they seek ministry, and, and some move because of, of, a, of a particular situation. Moving to another church is not the same as leaving the faith. Please don't misunderstand that. Not everyone that leaves Tucson Baptist Church is leaving Christ's church or his body. But there are many who have been here. They've sat here and they've gone back to the world having a love affection with the world. Their true colors being revealed. Just because someone may leave us does not mean they've departed from the faith. Because we've had many examples of other people who have gone on to serve well in other churches and ministry. Notice with me in verse twenty. John reminds his little children that they have genuine faith because they know all things and have an unction from the Holy One. However, Antichrist or a wolf denieth the Father and the Son. And he may not deny God with his words. And here's where we have sympathy toward those who are really a wolf. They may not deny it with their words. They, oh yeah, Jesus is God's Son. They would say that. But they deny with their actions. Didn't your mom tell you this? Actions always speak louder than Always louder than words. Some have, some have the talk, but their actions, their actions betray them. May I just tell you, there is no relationship with God that bypasses Jesus. None. It's impossible. If you want intimate fellowship with the Lord, if you want intimate fellowship with his people, watch out for the wolves. Don't believe their doctrine. Don't follow their example. Children, that's us. We need strong warnings, and that is that we must actively watch out for wolves. We must also, key number two, and they get shorter. That was my longest point. Key number two is this. As we're watching out for the wolves, I love this. Hold tight to Jesus. Whatever you're struggling with, hold tight to Jesus. We hold to Jesus by abiding in his truth, John wrote. Abiding in truth is an individual. It is a personal responsibility. No one else can do it for you. 
You is emphatic. In verse 24, it's used five times. We remember that abide means to live, to remain, to stay. Don't let Satan or his antichrist steal your fellowship. You can come to church. You can sing songs. You can pray the prayers. You can read scripture and you can still not abide. To abide means this, to feed on the word of you, uh, to feed on the word of God for yourself. You have an individual responsibility. To abide means to have a quiet time. To abide means to have a dedicated plan of prayer. To abide means to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as you are reading the Word of God and as you are praying. To abide means to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. To abide means to live in the presence of God. Some of us uh, have allowed our Christianity to become a job instead of a joy. Some of you have lost the joy of your salvation. May I just tell you that being a Christian is not a job. It is a great joy to know Jesus Christ, my personal Lord and Savior. We wake up in the morning and we say, I wish I could cuss out my spouse today, but I can't because I'm a Christian. Uh, that pastor says, I've got to be patient and understanding and gracious and forgiving. I don't want to forgive. I, I abide uh, I abide because of what Jesus has done for me, not because of what Brenton has done. And so I hold tight to Jesus. In verse 24, if that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and continue in the Father. The big question is, what, what, what did we hear in the beginning? The answer is that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again, that he is seated at the right of his Father, ever making intercession for you and for me. He cares about you. Hold tight to Jesus. Uh, I, I, I'm concerned about people that are miserable in their Christian faith. Jesus does not make you miserable. He answers your prayer. Oh, there's lots of big words. Justification, sanctification, glorification, propitiation, predestination, determination, election, transcendence. I went to college to learn those. Sometimes I still have to look them up to see what did I learn in college. That's a lot of big words. But may I just tell you, it all boils down to this. My Jesus came to this earth to die for Brent Armstrong. He rose again. And, he, and because he rose again, he's now my advocate with my Heavenly Father. And he wants, to, he wants to hear me talk to him. He wants good things to happen to Brent Armstrong. And nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it teach us that I have to be miserable to be a Christian. Nowhere. But some of us, we live a miserable existence because we envy the wolves and their love affection with the world. Every Christian has some capacity to know about God. And some of us have more maturity because we have learned and we apply the word of God. And John states that we have the promise of eternal life. And I'm so thankful that John 17 and verse 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So we so we know that we are to abide in Christ. I wonder this morning if you've ever made that decision. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? It's the single most important decision you will ever make in life. Period. Not who you marry. Not how many children you have. Not where you work. Not how much money is in your bank account. The most important decision you ever make in life. What will I do with the person Jesus Christ? So we hold to Jesus by the anointing of his spirit, John wrote. That's an interesting word. I don't think many of us were anointed this week. 
He says anointing. What does that mean? Notice in verse 26 that there are them that seduce you or lead you astray. Uh, these are the wolves. These are the antichrist. It's interesting to me how that someone can leave our church or leave a church of like precious faith. And they always, always want to drag someone with them. I don't know if that's to make themselves feel better, to feel, make themselves feel less guilty. But there is someone always, a wolf always tries to drag out the sheep and the lamb from the church. To always. Don't let anyone cause you to drift from your fellowship with God. Stay right with him. Even Christians can be tools for the Antichrist. Thomas uh, Brooks wrote this, Discord and division become no Christian. For wolves to worry the lambs is no wonder. But for one lamb to worry another, this is unnatural and monstrous. The wolves will try to seduce you and keep you from abiding in God's truth. And how do you overcome them? We overcome them by what the Bible calls the anointing which ye have received of him. What in the world is the anointing? Anointing is the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you were saved, Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit to guide you, to comfort you, to convict you, to live with you. And when John penned his gospel, he recorded this promise in John 16. Listen to what the Bible says. How be it when he... The spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. John is writing to baby Christians and saying they already have the anointing. And, and, and this dismisses the idea of some type of secondary blessing. We receive anointing when we receive Jesus. How many of you with an amen have received Jesus? Amen. You have received the anointing, which is the Holy Spirit of God living within you. I say hallelujah this morning for that. He always abideth in you, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit teaches you all things and helps you to know what is true. And the Bible says what is a lie. Now, metal detectors, they tell a TSA agent what is unacceptable in passing through that little uh, um, uh, uh, contraption where they can, you put your hands uh, up in the air and, and, uh, and it goes around and it looks to see if you have anything in your pockets. Oftentimes, the TSA agent will say something like this. If you have a, a knee replacement or a hip replacement, notify us before going in. And the reason is, is that you have metal parts in your body. And, uh, and so uh, uh, we went on a mission trip. And uh, <coughs> it was a great mission trip. We went to the country of Uganda. And uh, Jack Wilbur, I don't even know if he'll remember this, but I, I remember it. We, w we went to the airport. And uh, Jack Wilbur, he had a terrible time because every time he walked through the, 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 the contraption there, he would set it off. And, and he, he would shake his head. I mean, just like Jack does, he would shake his head. And he, and he, and he was ready to take his clothes off there, right there in the airport. I don't have anything. And he took his shoes off. He took his glasses off. He took his watch off. He had nothing. And every time he would walk through, they would go beep. And, then, and, and, uh, and pretty soon it was a comical show. All of us were watching. And, and, and that wasn't good because Jack got red in the face and he was embarrassed and he was flustered. And finally, the TSA agent waved him through the, and he took out a metal wand. And so we're all watching and they, they, they go all over here. And it was something like he had one penny or a, a, just one coin in the corner of his pocket that was setting off the machine. Um, 
Have you ever seen Jock shake his head? He's just shaking his head as he was putting, his, putting everything back on and getting ready to, uh, to go. We all got a good laugh out of it. Jack didn't, but we all got a, a good laugh out of it. Um, may I just say, I tell you that because you know what the Holy Spirit is? Uh, while the Holy Spirit's not a metal detector, the Holy Spirit is our truth detector. And when something doesn't uh, coincide with truth about Jesus, you know it. And you may not know where it is or what it is, but you know something is wrong. And that's when you need that handheld metal detector. And what is the handheld metal detector? It's called the Word of God. It's not something trivial or trite. The Holy Spirit is our truth detector, and that truth is learned from the Word of God. Have you ever heard a preacher on TV or radio say something like this? I don't know why, but that just doesn't sound right. And you know why it doesn't sound right? Because the Bible says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You don't need some secret knowledge. You don't need horoscopes or secret societies or masonry or transcendental meditation or dream interpretation or some form of psychology or psychotherapy or the new age movement or spiritualism. May I just tell you what you need? A relationship with Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 2 and verse 10 says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. There is no doubt, if you are a Christian and you know it, something like this has happened. You've walked into a store. You've walked into an airport. You've walked into a business. And within just a matter of seconds, you're around someone and the Bible says the spirit beareth witness and you know that person you're talking to is a Christian. I heard a pastor say this past week. He says, beware of the pastor who gets up at a funeral service and he's talking about one of his church members and he says something like this, I hope they made it to heaven. Because the Bible says this, by their fruits ye shall know them. Folks, may we be able to preach your funeral because by your fruits we know you. There's some people that if they were to die today who used to sit in this church, it would be very difficult to do their funeral. Because if we use... God's measuring stick, we would have to say, I don't know where they are. They may have talked a game, but they never lived it. They went back to the things of the world. And that leads me to key number three, and it's very brief, and that is this. Live today like there is no tomorrow. Live today. Like there is no tomorrow. John tells us to abide in Jesus because he's coming back. And when he shall appear, we shall have confidence. And we will not be ashamed. In Revelation 22 and verse 20, John says this. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Do you have the confidence to say and mean it? If he returned right now, that you would not be ashamed. Many years ago, an older man owned a very prosperous store in a small town. He ran the business himself with the help of his wife and his son. The son hated the store. He hated stocking and sweeping until one day it dawned on him. This thought, 
this store is one day going to be mine. And it changed his perspective. And the story is written that he started stalking and sweeping and, and with pride because he realized this. He was the heir apparent of his dad's store. That's a simple story. But I thought about this. I wonder if we should live our lives like one day we're the heir apparent of heaven. And what we do in this life as a Christian matters what happens to us in heaven. There's three keys. We've got to watch out for the wolves. We need to go wolf hunting. We need to make sure that a wolf cannot enter into this congregation unaware. That we identify them. We catch them. And you must trust that your pastor is also watching. And that is part of my duty and my sacred responsibility is to keep our church from being devoured by a ravenous wolf. We also must hold tight to Jesus. He is the reason that I get up every day to take my next breath. And then I've got to live today like there is no tomorrow. Because tomorrow may never come for Brent Armstrong. And if it doesn't come, I've got to make sure that I've lived right today. In a congregation this size, there is no doubt that there are some that must do some self-examination. Are you a wolf or are you a sheep? A wolf devours and destroys. A wolf won't be long, be, be long with us. They'll soon be gone. Oh, it may take a couple years, but it won't take much. They'll be gone. Their love affection with the world will be revealed. My love affection is for Jesus Christ. Unapologetically, I stand for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If that is your testimony, that unapologetically you stand for Jesus Christ with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I invite you to stand with me. Amen.